What's going on, my ADOS family? This is KBZ. I'm your host. And right now, you guys are listening to ADOS Lives Matter. You know, this ADOS movement, man, has just been so exciting to me. Um, it's been so intellectually stimulating to me that, you know, I decided to get off the sidelines, uh, stop listening to all this content, and actually start creating some of my own. You know, I feel like I have a really, really, really good angle uh, uh, to approach with my content. And I think it's going to be unique because as an ADOS, I'm actually married to a West African. So I have a West African wife. I built a house in West Africa, in Liberia. I own land in Africa. My daughter was born in Africa. I lived there for six years straight without leaving the continent and traveling back and forth. No, I, I stayed there. I didn't come back for, you know, uh, holidays or nothing. I stayed there in Ghana for six years straight. I lived uh, in the cities. I lived in the bushes. I lived there for six years as a gold miner. And because I worked there as a gold miner, you know, when you mine for gold, you mine for gold in the in the hinterland, in very remote regions of country. So I traveled all throughout the western region, the eastern region, Sefi uh, Bekwai, you know, the Asante region, Wasakopon. You know, I've gone all over Ghana mining for gold, living in very remote living conditions. And uh, I learned how to speak a native African language called Tree, right? Maybe one of these days I'll showcase it for you so, you know, you can hear me speak the language. But I learned tribalism in Africa, right? And every single day of my life that I was in Africa, what I learned was that there are limits to solidarity. So I was put in my place so much that... I was made to know that I am not one of them. I'm not African. Now, let me make this clear. When it comes to issues of love, when it comes to issues of pleasure, when it comes to issues, when you are ADOS in Africa, when it comes to issues of fun and games and partying and just having fun and all the, all the social stuff that you get involved with, on a daily basis in West Africa, I'm telling you, man, there's, you're going to have so much fun. If anybody who's actually been to Ghana or to Liberia, you know what I'm talking about, man. It's a, I mean, I have a ball every time I go. But when you deal with institutions in West Africa, what you're going to find is pretty much the same thing that you uh, run into in the United States when you when you when you run into institutional racism. But it's not going to be institutional racism in West Africa. Rather, what it's going to be is institutional tribalism. So the same way that institutional racism works in the United States, institutional tribalism works in Africa, meaning that they create this infrastructure, these institutions to make sure that they manage um, goods and resources for the benefit of their tribe not your tribe but their tribe and they identify who their tribesmen are and who their tribesmen are not so the way you swag as an ADOS while you're in Africa is just totally different than the way a native person swags so let me give you a couple examples man 
Uh, and, and, and again, this is coming from, I'm ADOS, this is KBZ, you know, I'm ADOS, I'm married to a West African, I got West African family, I, I lived there on the ground for six years straight before I left the continent, so I have a very real, very unique perspective that I can offer this ADOS uh, movement in this debate, and uh, I want you guys to uh, get involved in the conversation, tell me what you think, and let me share some ideas with you. Uh, so first of all, my wife, for example, she's from Liberia. What she has is an ECOWAS passport. They call it an ECOWAS passport, right? Meaning that when she wants to leave Liberia and she wants to enter Cote d'Ivoire or she wants to enter Ghana, she wants to go through Togo and Nigeria, all she has to do is just show that ECOWAS passport. When she gets to the border, and an immigration officer would just, boom, let her go through. No problem. But as an ADOS who's supposed to be a, you know, returning home, who's supposed to also be an African, right? They will stop me at that border and they will not let me enter this country unless I apply for a visa to enter, which is going to cost money and time. So whereas my wife can just get in a vehicle and drive straight throughout West Africa, going through all these different countries unmolested. I won't be able to do that unless I actually apply for a visa for each country that I enter. So, you know, the the topic of this whole discussion that I really want to have is that the ADOS movement is good for Pan-Africanism. And the reason why the ADOS movement is good for Pan-Africanism is because if we put pressure on African immigrants coming to this country and make it more difficult for them to enter and also make it more difficult for them to live their lives then I can guarantee you that when you as ADOS when you go to Africa they're going to make it easier for you they're going to give you some concessions right naturally people are not going to give you concessions they're not going to make things easier for you you know if you make it easier for them no, you know, you're going to have to twist the arm a little bit and, and, and apply the pressure for them to kind of open the doors to West Africa for you so you can live their life. So an example that I'm giving you is just being able to have the, 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 the ease to travel. My wife has the ease to travel because she has an ECOWAS passport. But see, I can't travel throughout West Africa. I'll be stopped at each border crossing and I have to pay a ton of money. So we have to do something here as ADOS to make it more difficult for African immigrants to enter this country. And if we make it difficult for them, I can guarantee you that they'll start changing the laws over there in West Africa and they'll make it easier for us. Another example really quick is the GIPC requirements in Ghana to actually open a business. How much do you think it costs to open up a business legally in Ghana, West Africa. Well, if you go to the, the GIPC website uh, of Ghana, then you'll see that it costs $500,000, half a million dollars for a, uh, an immigrant, a foreigner to open up a fully foreign owned business. So you and I as ADOS, we're not considered as being African. We're not considered as being returning brothers. We got to pay just like the European. We got to pay $500,000. 
But now what about the reverse? When an African immigrant comes to this country, how much they got to pay? Well, as long as they got their green card, as long as they got a social security number, they can just register their business online and boop, they, they paying the same price that you pay. So where's the fairness and where's the equity in that? So again, my wife, she can travel uh, unmolested, you know, and just cross all these borders throughout West Africa. I got to stop and be harassed and pay bribes. When I register a business in West Africa, I got to pay $500,000, whereas they can come over here and they can open up businesses for the same price that you pay. That right there has to be addressed. So if we put pressure on them here in the United States and we make it harder for them to open businesses, we, we, we create more restrictions. We, we press our government officials to make it harder for them to travel, to enter, to start businesses. Then I'm telling you, the harder we make it for them over here in the United States, the easier they're going to make it for us to to live our lives in West Africa. They'll give us some concessions. You know, even if I want to do something like go to Cape Coast Castle, if I, you know, there's slave dungeons over there where, you know, you want to go over there and you want to see where uh, your ancestors were held captive. If you go to Cape Coast Castle, if you go to Elmina Castle, those slave dungeons, the, the two most, they have, I, I think if I remember, they have 40 slave dungeons throughout the coast. But the two most popular ones are Cape Coast and Elmina. If you go to those slave castles, you'll see that for ADOS people, for you foreigners, you got to pay a premium. You got to pay a high cost. But for the locals, the, the, the Africans, they pay a local rate. So how's that possible that when you go to the very slave castle that your ancestors were sold from, they identify you as not being one of them. And they 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 create tribalism even around that slave castle and they 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 allow Africans to come in at an African rate and then they'll charge a foreign rate for ADOS coming to see their own uh ancestral uh uh grounds. I mean, that's amazing. It, it blows me away. But what if we did the same thing to them when they came over here? When they wanted to, you know, do business. When they want to move around. You know, we make it hard for them. We charge them high prices. They would never allow us to charge them high prices to enter into shopping malls or movie theaters or anything like that. If we, did, if we saw an African here in the United States and said, oh, you're African? Oh, well... Uh, if you want to go see this movie, you got to pay an African price. You don't get the ADOS price. You won't get the African price. If we did that to them over here, they would lose their mind. Talking about how this is unjust. How they're being unfairly targeted. But go to Ghana and go to that Cape Coast castle and you try to enter. Where, and, 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 and be on the grounds where your ancestors were sold into slavery. And you're going to see that they're going to charge you. A foreigner price there's no fairness there's no equity in that and I can even talk to you about an issue of citizenship let me give you a perfect example my wife she's been in the United States for three years since she's been in the United States for three years she has a green card she's been married to me for three years 
she is now eligible to get a 10-year green card, 10-year permanent residency. After five years in this country, she becomes a U.S. citizen. There's an easy, 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 easy uh, path to citizenship. It's outlined and it's simple when you're in the United States of America. In five years' time, she will be able to have all the rights, benefits, and privileges that I enjoy as an American citizen in this country. She's going to have a blue passport. But the reverse is just not true when you're in Ghana. I know people who have been in Ghana for 30 years, 40 years in Ghana, and do not have passports. All you're going to meet when you go to these these uh, uh, immigration offices is red tape. People are going to bribe you. They're going to take advantage of you. But you're going to keep working and turning in paperwork and, and giving them more money. And you'll never get your citizenship. Even if you're married to a Ghanaian, you still ain't going to be guaranteed to become no citizen. There's no clear path to citizenship in Africa. So where are the tangibles? That's what I'm asking. Where are the tangibles when it comes to an ADOS living in Africa? Where are the tangibles when it comes to getting citizenship? Where are the tangibles when it comes to opening the business? Where are the tangibles when it comes to doing something basic like traveling? Where are the tangibles when it comes to just being able to pay fair prices while you are in Africa? You're going to have to pay more prices if you're just buying food on the roadside. As soon as they hear you speaking in uh, an English language, as soon as they recognize that you're not a part of their tribe, they're going to turn tribal and then they're going to hit you over the head with a higher price. You're not going to be able to get citizenship. You're not going to be able to travel freely throughout West Africa. You're not going to be able to open up a business at a reasonable rate. But all those things that you are barred from, from doing while you're in West Africa because you're not one of them when they come to the United States they get all of those benefits all of those privileges easy because we just open up the doors for them roll out the red carpet I'm telling you ADOS as an ADOS who is married to an African who has lived in Africa for six years who has a home there I born my daughter there as an ADOS with who, who, who speaks a native African language. As an ADOS, I'm telling you, with my experience on the continent, they taught me tribalism. I learned tribalism way before I even heard about the ADOS movement. This ADOS movement, this is new. This is two weeks for me. I've only heard I've only heard about this stuff for about two weeks, but I'm already sold on it. But I've already been tribal. I was tribalized, if, if you will, while I was in West Africa because they let me know at every step I took while I was in West Africa that I was not one of them. I, I, I'm cool. I can I can marry their daughter. You know, I can make a baby over there. You know, I can you know, I can I can move around. I can have fun. I can go to the club. You know, I can pop bottles. I can, you know, you know, I can I can you know, I can do all things social. Man, it's cool. But when it comes to doing business. Nope. So we have to be a little bit more rigid. We got to be more tribal on this side in the United States because we got something they want. 
But if we continue to leave this door wide open and just let them take, take, take without trying to restrict them in any way, shape, form or fashion, then believe me, they're going to continue taking and they're never going to give anything, any concessions when you go to where they are. So all I'm saying is with love, you know, we not the uh, the ADOS movement is not a xenophobic movement. I'm not down with xenophobia. If you are xenophobic, uh, don't listen to this podcast. Don't come to my page. I'm not trying to hear it. I don't hate Africans. I'm married to an African. I love Africans. I love Caribbeans. I love Haitians. I love black people all over this world. The only thing I want with this ADOS movement is it to be fair and equitable. There's a proverb in tree. And that proverb was very popular in Ghana. And I'll give it to you right now. For those of you who've never heard the African language, this would be a treat for you guys. And you can learn a proverb for the first time. And that proverb is simple. It's insako na insaba. Insako na insaba. And that means hand go, hand come. I give to you, you give to me. I scratch your back, you scratch my back. Chris Tucker would say same time, same time. So all I'm saying is, is if ADOS makes it easy for you to come to this country and to get an education and to open a business and to travel, then when I come to your country in West Africa, you should make it easy for me to enter, to travel, to start a business, to buy goods and services without being harassed. And as long as we can't have it over there, then It is only fair that you cannot have it over here. So come on, fam. Let's get it together. Let's talk. Let's find a resolution to this thing. You know what I mean? Let's make sure that we have fairness and equity on both sides of the pond. You know, I love you guys. I'm excited to do it. This is KBZ again. The show is called ADOS Lives Matter. Look, man, you guys like, you guys share, subscribe. You know, tell me what you think. Um... Uh, Get in the chat section, man, and let's hash this thing out, man. I'm out. Peace. Until next time.